Please have a seat. You know, as human beings, we um, can spend a lot of time thinking about all sorts of things. Um, and I wonder what it is that the most human beings spend time thinking about. It could be things like uh, finding a, a person to marry, a, a husband or a wife, or perhaps having children. Or if we do have children, perhaps thinking about their development or their qualifications. It could be a house, it could be a car, it could be our next holiday might be the thing we think about most. It could be the fitness and health of our bank balance, the fitness and health of our body. It could be all sorts of things. It might be the latest gadget or the latest fashions. It could be what's happening in the news, what's happening on social media. What do you spend more time thinking about than anything else? What takes up more of your thinking time, your thinking waking time than anything else? Is it social media? Is it what's happening on the news? Is the latest technologies? The reason I ask it and ask it of myself as well is that it's an indication of where our treasure is to be found. And Jesus said that wherever our treasure is to be found, that's where our heart is. And so it's really, really important for us to know where does our treasure lie? Because wherever our treasure is, Jesus says, you can be sure 100% that that's where your heart lies. He's not talking about our biological heart. He's not talking about sort of a romantic heart. When Jesus says the word heart, what he means is our very identity, our very self, our very sense of worth, our soul. And so in loving wisdom, Jesus is saying to us, through the pages of the Bible today, as he said to his first listeners on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 6, think about where your treasure is. If our treasure is somewhere where it's vulnerable to decay and disappearance, then the reason why Jesus is warning us is because our very self is then vulnerable to decay and disappearance. And that is a very, very precarious way to live your life. Because of the thing upon which our heart, in, in which our heart resides, if it starts to decay or just suddenly disappears, then our life will cr come crumbling down like a house of cards. You may have experienced this in your life at some point already. Because often we're not really aware as to where our heart actually resides. And then something happens. A relationship changes, a job ends, health alters. Something happens, and so often, I know from, 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 my, from my life, that so often it's only when things begin to diminish or disappear that we really find out how much of our heart and our self and our identity we've actually invested in that. 
and we become shocked as to how much of our core being is actually shaken in that moment. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. The modern translation is, Above all, all else, guard your heart, because everything that you do flows from it. Everything that we do flows from this identity, this understanding of how valuable we are. Every word that we say, everything that we do flows from our understanding of who we are, our identity, and our sense of worth. So Jesus says, instead of storing up for yourself treasures on earth where where moths and vermin can break in and, and destroy and thieves can, can break through and steal. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. At that time, the people Jesus was speaking to would have by and large lived in an accommodation made of mud and wattle and sticks. And so no matter how secure your front door was, if someone wanted to break into your house and steal some valuables or some coins that you had stored away somewhere, all they had to do was get a spade and dig through the wall. And what Jesus is saying is, be careful your heart isn't in the place where you've got some treasure because it could be gone in an instant. And the reason why he's telling us that is because of love but he doesn't want to see our lives crumble down around us. And when Jesus says the word heaven, whenever he says store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, he's not saying, look, don't, don't think about this life. Don't worry about this life. Just think about the one to come. So often we think when Jesus says heaven, he's thinking about the future. When Jesus says the word heaven, what he means is where God is now. So when Jesus says store for ourselves treasure in heaven, what he's saying is store up for yourselves in the place where you can encounter God now. So he's saying to us, let's get our priorities right. Let's put first things first. And so let's make God our treasure because if our heart and our treasure is in a place which is undentable and eternal and untarnishable, then we are in a safe place. Spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, we are in a safe place if our heart and treasure is somewhere where rats and vermin and moths and thieves cannot break in and cause destruction. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, Jesus says. It's the only safe way to go about storing any treasure. During this series, Rhythms of Grace, I'm being challenged, and I hope all of us are being challenged to think about if we want to live like Jesus, the only human being who's ever lived a full, complete life who lived a life of perfection, who was fully human. If we want to live like that, then we need to live like that. 
If you and I want to be like Jesus and live as Jesus lived, then we need to live as Jesus lived. And one of the ways I think that we, particularly in the Western world, often miss something of how Jesus lived is that we fail to remember that he lived a very simple life. Generally, when we read of the life of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus only owned the things that were the clothes that he stood up in. There's no record of Jesus owning anything else apart from the clothes on his back. And the time he came the day of his crucifixion, even those very small items of clothing were taken from him. The time he hung on a cross for you and I, physically he had nothing. And I think also often we ignore what Jesus said about possessions and money. And they're really, really challenging. Some of the words that we heard today that Rowan read out, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. It cannot be done. It's not a case of, you know, um, don't try it, it's really difficult. Jesus actually said you can't serve. It's not actually possible to serve two masters. It just cannot be done. In Luke chapter 6, he has even more challenging words. He says, blessed are you who are poor, because yours is the kingdom of God. Woe to you who are rich, because you have already received your comfort. And Matthew 19, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear those really challenging words of Jesus, I tend to look around hoping to see someone who looks more wealthy than me. But the fact is, whenever we hear those words of Jesus, you and I should be looking in one place, in the mirror. I love those words of that ancient Irish hymn that we sang as our first song this morning. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought in the day and the night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. And then that really also challenging verse, verse four, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance through all my days. Thou and thou only the first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. The hymn writer had these verses in mind whenever he wrote these verses. So that's why in these weeks, in these rhythms of grace that we're looking at of Jesus, we're looking at, well, how did Jesus rest? How was he, as we discovered a few weeks ago, the very embodiment of rest? And to have a relationship with God as a Christian is actually to learn to rest in the one who is Sabbath rest himself, Jesus. And also as well, in these weeks, we're going to spend three weeks looking at the whole idea of living a simple life. A spiritual exercise called simplicity. 
And then we're also going to look at fasting for three weeks. This morning, we're looking at stuff. Next week, we're going to look at time. And then in two weeks, Johnny Rue is going to speak to us about simple talk. How do we keep things really simple? Because the wonder is that life is actually a wonderful thing so long as we keep it simple. And Jesus showed how we can keep it simple. And his advice to us is the advice that he gives in the reading we had today. Seek first God's kingdom and a right relationship with him and you'll discover that you have everything that you need. The key to all this is not like with all spiritual exercises, is to recognize what is at the heart of doing something which is a spiritual exercise. And the answer is to grow closer to God. So whether it's fasting or celebration or silence or solitude or study or whatever it happens to be, there's lots of different spiritual exercises and different ones will sit each of us differently and will challenge each of us differently. The core of all of them, the reason for all of them, the motivation for all of them is to draw closer to God. Because through the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the exaltation, the glorification of, God, of Jesus in heaven and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, you and I have the opportunity to walk with God, our heavenly Father, in the here and now because Jesus has brought heaven to earth and by his Holy Spirit, heaven is coming increasingly to earth all the time. And that's why we keep praying, bring it on. The core of who we are in this church is being disciples making disciples. A disciple is a learner, it's a follower. How can we learn to be like Jesus Christ? And one of the really challenging things is this whole area of simplicity. But before we look at the externals, and we'll look at it in just a moment, we've got to get straight the fact that the, the reason why we would do any spiritual exercise in our lives is to draw closer to God. If our motivation is any other reason, then we're doing it to impress other people, we're doing it to impress God or just to make ourselves feel better. Our motivation always has to begin with the, it always has to begin as the internal motivation for being like Jesus Christ and drawing closer to the Father. So what are some of the ways that you and I can actually have outworking of simplicity in our lives? Because if we just leave it as, as, as singing songs, about seeking first the kingdom of God. And riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. If we, if we just leave it as a song or as an intention, then it will not help us at all grow closer to God. It will not help us at all see God more clearly face to face in our lives and sense his presence and his power and his joy and his satisfaction and freedom everything that Jesus Christ won for us on the cross. So here's some of the outworkings that uh, Richard Foster, who's an author who wrote a, a classic a number of decades ago called Celebration of Discipline, gives us just 10 suggestions as to how we may go about living a more simple life. And the reality is that for each of these, 
because no spiritual exercise is to do with legalism. Some of these will be more of a challenge to us than the others. There are different ways for us to live a simple life. And what may be really challenging and helpful for you may not be really challenging and helpful for me and vice versa. But here's some of Richard Foster's suggestions that we may want to consider. Buy things for their usefulness rather than status. So if we're buying something and we detect in us some little thing that makes us think, people will think more of me. If I wear these clothes or drive this car or live in that house, and if we detect there's anything in that whatsoever, we don't buy it. As Arthur Gish said in his book, Beyond the Rat Race, we buy things we do not want to impress people we do not like. Secondly, reject anything that is an addiction for you. Often we think about hard drugs and soft drugs and things like that as being addictive. But here's the thing, anything that is an addiction in our lives is replacing God in our lives because we're depending on it rather than depending on God. If there's anything in your life that you suspect you may not be able to live without, it's really important that you try to do so. If you think, I couldn't get to the day without my coffee, that's an addiction. Alcohol, social media, keeping up with the news constantly, constantly, constantly. There are all sorts of things that we can become addicted to. If that's the case for you, if any of those things ring a bell for you, then I want to encourage you, either cut it down or cut it out because it's replacing God in your life. Develop a habit of giving things away. Avoid having to have the latest new things. Try to use things until they wear out. De-accumulate. Whenever I first read that and thought about it, I thought it was about you know, decluttering. But if I'm honest with myself, the, the times in my life I have decluttered, I have done so to make room so I can buy new things. So this is not decluttering, because decluttering is a materialistic pursuit often. Stuff takes up so much of our time and so much space in our lives. And the reality is, the further we go on with Jesus Christ, and you'll have discovered this yourself if you're making a serious attempt to walk like Jesus, you will have discovered again and again that on a daily basis you have to make a choice between God and stuff. And if you haven't discovered that, then boy, you need to discover that. Because stuff can get in the way of God. I should say that simplicity is not asceticism. Asceticism is the belief that all things physical are bad. That good things are all unseen. So a lot of Greek philosophy, a lot of modern thinking is down to thinking that everything physical is bad. Last week we celebrated crea creation at our harvest service to debunk that myth. Because when God created creation, he said, 
it's a good thing. And when he created you and me as human beings, he said, very good. So this isn't about not enjoying the good things that God has made for us to enjoy in the here and now. God has given us good things to enjoy and we should enjoy them. But we should enjoy them in moderation. And we should make sure there's nothing we're enjoying so much that we'll become addicted to it. Learn to enjoy things without owning them. Develop a deeper appreciation for creation. Do all you can to avoid debt. Speak plainly and honestly. We'll look at that in a few weeks' time. And finally, this is the one that I find most challenging this week. Reject anything that will cause the oppression of others. So here's an exercise. Martin Luther King said, before you had your breakfast this morning, you relied on half the world. Where do your clothes come from? Have a look at your labels, please, now. Uh, see, see where some of your clothes from. If you've got a jacket on, there should be a pocket, and uh, you'll probably be able to uh, dig out a label and have a look where some of them are from. Well, I can tell you, because I knew I was going to say this, was that uh, my trousers are from uh, Sri Lanka, and my jacket is from Myanmar. It used to be called Burma. Uh, so any labels? Uh, I've got stuff on that comes from China as well. Uh, anyone got any idea where stuff comes from that you're wearing or your handbag or whatever? From Madagascar? From the island of Madagascar. Brilliant. So, there, you can see that, and if you take your car, your car, car there are hundreds of thousands of parts in your car. And uh, most of them don't tell you where they're from. But by the time we came to church this morning, we will, as Martin Luther King said, have relied on half the world. One of the things I found really challenging this week was listening to something, uh, a presentation by Tear Fund Ireland. And the challenge was this. If you have rice in your cupboard, if you eat chocolate, if you wear cotton underwear, and if you have a mobile telephone, then probably your slavery footprint in the world is 20 to 30 people. And of those 20 or 30 slaves who have been in forced labor to produce the products, a portion are children. Particularly if you have a mobile phone, and I, I have a mobile phone. And the reality is that some of the metals that go into this are nearly all modern mobile phones. One of them is called Coltan. And today it is predominantly mined in the Congo, in an area which is held by rebels who force children to work. And nearly every bit of Coltan in the world today comes from there. And nearly every modern phone has that metal because it has a very high level of conductivity. The fact is, even though the price of living we, we know is increasing, you can still buy a t-shirt for six or seven pounds. And the reality is, someone is paying for our cheap goods. They're paying through low wages, 
they're paying through terrible working conditions. And sometimes they're paying with their lives. So often I have thought of the stuff that I consume or the stuff that I wear as a neutral thing. The reality is that my story is linked to many hundreds and thousands of other people's stories. This jacket that I'm wearing, these trousers that I'm wearing, there's a story behind them and I'm wearing them today. And some of those who have produced what I'm wearing today have been forced into that labor and some of those slaves are children. I've been really challenged this week in thinking about how can I live a more simple life? And in a way I know that I'm, I'm at the start of a long journey as to what that means. But more important than all of the externals is the motivation as to why we may go on that journey. And the motivation is this, that we have an opportunity in our lives to bless our fellow human beings. We have an opportunity to bless creation itself because our consumption of goods has a significant environmental impact. And also as well, we have an opportunity to bless God, the one who has made us in his image. As we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, he said, let's put first things first. Let's get our priorities right. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God and seek a right relationship with him because when we do that, we will discover that we have absolutely everything that we need. Shall we stand together?